How's it going? You are checking in to episode three of the Get Ranked Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Dre, and this episode is very, very special. It's our first episode with a guest, and we did it pretty big for our first guest here on Get Ranked Basketball um, Podcast. Our co-host, Mr. Devon McLeod's older brother, Roshan McLeod, uh, played for Duke, led Duke in scoring his senior year, um, had a great college career at Duke, went on to be drafted in the NBA by the Atlanta Hawks uh, in the first round, and we're going to pick his brain today. Unfortunately for me, I was not able to make this episode because of my car getting a flat tire 20 minutes prior to when I was about five miles away from my house. So my luck, I missed out on this great, great interview, but I've checked it out. These guys are talking about the recruitment process for him when he was going to St. John's, going to Duke, the NBA versus, you know, uh, the NCAA his high school coach, Bob Hurley from St. Anthony's, um, differing from Coach K. He talks about Pittsburgh. You know, I'm here in Pittsburgh, uh, in Mount Washington here. And uh, Jeff Capel is a big deal around these parts now that he's taken over as the pit head coach. He played with Roshan back in his time when he played in college. And Roshan has some, some insight about what type of person Jeff Capel is and what to expect for, the, for you pit fans out there. Um, so we really are looking forward to this. He has a lot of great advice advice for the kids. So definitely check this episode out. I have already one or two times, and I've already, I'm just making the intro here. Uh, so check it out. The guys, Brandon, Devon, and Leslie did an amazing job. Um, so, yeah, here we go. Yo, what up? Not much. Um, no, thanks, thanks for uh, hopping on. I got... I got my uh my boy Brandon, Brandon Smith on the What up? What up, big? And uh I got my boy Leslie on the line. How you doing? What's going on, brother? Not much. So what are you up to? I'm just leaving the gym, man. I was training myself. Oh are, are, are you, are you got, training kids? Yeah, I got a, a ninth grade kid who's well, he's gonna be a tenth grader next year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And he's got a chance to be a pretty good player. So, oh, nice. you know, I mean, I, I train a couple. I try to I try to find kids in the middle school and really help them with their fundamentals so that by the time basketball, if they really like it, when it becomes serious, they they can improve at a faster rate because their fundamentals are better. So that's what I try to focus on. Yeah, I know. I know we, um, you know, we, we are laughing because, you know, we, I, I know I talked to you all about it and, and um, and then Dre as well, where uh, you see kids a lot of times <laughs> they get trained and uh, they doing they doing all types of you know you see the stuff with the jelly fan and doing all types of finger rolls <laughs> and practicing a bunch of stuff that they don't do in the game and I know you you can't stand that. <laughs> yeah, I hate that man. I, I, I always try to tell kids when I'm when I'm trying, you don't you don't practice talent. That's what talent just is you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Practice fundamentals and your talent. Use the fundamentals that make you better. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. A lot of trainers are, you know, trying to practice what other people' talent look like and trying to put it onto a kid who doesn't have any talent. No, it's true. It's true. It's very true. 
talent without fundamentals is called potential. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Yeah, some, sometimes, you know. Lot of, you know what that means to me? You suck. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but uh, but I know Brandon. Brandon wanted to, so we what we wanted to do is kind of start off like you know talk a little bit about you and, and you know your background. A lot of stuff I already know, but <laughs> but uh, you know other people don't may not know and stuff like that. So um, I know Brandon had some early questions that he wanted to he wanted to ask you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you played for some like revered and established coaches early on in your career. Um, I first wanted to talk about Coach Hurley at St. Anthony's and just like what was that like playing for him? I mean, Devon, probably some of my favorite Devon stories are his Coach Hurley at St. Anthony's that stories. <laughs> so, like, just was, what was that like for you playing with him? Well, you know, our experiences were totally different. Devon and I, even though we played for the same guy, like, I didn't play basketball until I got to high school. Okay. And Devon played basketball since he was two years old. You know, I used to dunk on him with a little Nerf ball. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, so my experience was really hard, but I had nothing to compare it to. So, you know, there's a lot of options in today's game. Whereas when I was younger, my option was, was my mother not going to let me quit anyway, so I need to make the most out of it. Mm -hmm. And so for a guy like Hurley, you know, I learned the game the, the right way. Like, you might not like them. You might not play as much you, as much as you want, but you're still learning the game the right way. So, and if you look at the history of what he was able to accomplish, most of the kids who could, didn't end up not staying at St. Anthony's went to another school and became the best player on that team because of the, what they learned at St. Anthony's, and people don't take that in consideration, you know? Yeah. You ain't got to like the guy, but he knows the game, and he knows how to teach it. Yeah. So my 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 experience was I didn't have any bad habits to break before I learned the game the right way. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. a really good, that's a good point. That's, that's a good point. Um, I guess what what was Coach Hurley like, and um, I guess compared to Coach K, I mean those are two you know Hall of Fame coaches that you <laughs> that you got to you know get coached by before turning twenty one. What, what what was that like? From a basketball perspective, there was no difference. Mm-hmm. But Coach K became more commercial, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, because it was college basketball, mm-hmm. yeah. more mm-hmm. business. And even though Coach Hurley was using it as a business, as a kid playing for him, you didn't know it was a business. <laughs> but so the biggest difference was the fact that Coach K had, a, had, to, had, to, had to watch his reputation and the way he did things where Coach Hurley could just Coach Hurley, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from a basketball knowledge standpoint, at the levels that they played, the best at what they do, you know, there was absolutely no difference. I learned, I needed to know about high school basketball, going into college from Hurley, and I learned everything I needed to know about college basketball in a shorter period of time, because I only spent, I spent the three years at Duke, but I learned how to be a pro. So I learned how to be a really good college player in high school at St. Anthony's, and I learned how to be a, a good pro uh, at Duke. So the, 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 the level of knowledge and the IQ development and the skill development was, was equal for the levels that they were at. Okay. Um, uh, I did have a, a, another question going off something that you said. You, so you said you spent three years at Duke, correct? 
yeah, well, I spent two at St. John. And then I had to sit out a year at Duke, and then I played two years. So okay, yeah, that was that was actually my question because you could, when you went to St. John's and you you committed to St. John's, like what led you to transferring to Duke? Um, so when I was when I was uh, went to St. John's because it was close to home. You know, I was a really really young young got to be a I was a seventeen year old freshman. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and um. I, I really wanted to go to Arizona, and but it was just so far away. And Madison Square Garden, growing up as a Knicks fan, I was like, "Wow, this is gonna be this could be really good." So I went to St. John's, uh, and I loved Malik Sealy, who was just graduating. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was it was a good situation, but I was going to play for Lou Carnesecca, who was the Hall of Fame coach, and he retired, and then the assistant coach took over. Brian Mahoney, and it just wasn't the same situation. So I would try to, I was staying loyal to St. John's, even though they switched coaches, um, so that, you know, I could get the dream of playing in Madison Square, all the things that I, I, I enjoyed about it. I didn't think that was going to have a huge difference. Mm-hmm. But um, my freshman year, I, I wasn't, you know, I just wasn't being straight. They wasn't straight up with me. They kept, I was the best power forward we had. They kept playing this guy who wanted to be a doctor in front of me named Charles Minlin. And not that Charles wasn't a good player. He was from Cameroon. He was tough, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, power forward, just undersized. And they kept playing him in front of me. And I'm like, why are you playing a doctor in front of a basketball player? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that, I took that for a year. And then the next year, they, they promised that I would start. And we ended up getting a guy named Felipe Lopez who was – a really, really talented player, um, and and uh, Zendon Hamilton, who was one of the top two, three players in the country with Felipe. We had a really good recruiting class, and when they brought Zendon in, they, they, you know, those are New York guys, so they started catering to the New York guys, and I was a Jersey guy, and you know the rivalry back then between New York and New Jersey. I just felt like I wasn't getting my just, my just due. I wasn't given a chance, so that was my reasoning for wanting to go to Duke. It wasn't, you know, I, feel, I just felt like I wasn't being used properly mm-hmm. and I wasn't learning the game. I was more in high school than I was learning in college. Yeah. And that was a bad for me, I think, you know, with a, with a dream of wanting to play basketball in the NBA at some point. I think that's crazy, though. Like, I mean, you go from St. John's, which is, which is a good program, <laughs> and then you transfer to Duke. I mean, I think somebody had to inspire at that point. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, and what I was telling Vaughn, too, was um, – in college, you know, he, he told us who you were, but he was very, uh, I'll use the word modest. modest. Yeah, modest. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> and how you were talking about you. So, and, and him saying you, you leave St. John's and you go to Duke. And I was telling him, like, he led Duke in scoring. And when they went to the <laughs> Elite Eight, so. <laughs> Leslie's, from, Leslie's from New York, so uh, he probably, you know, with that, that big city, the big city Madison Square Garden, like. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I understand the draw. You just, you know, you want to play, man. Just everybody's a dream, man. You want to play in the garden, you know. Exactly. Um, I just had a, I have a quick question, just for you know, like the the younger listeners out here, you know, kids that uh, Dre might potentially train or have worked with before. Like, could you speak to how much of a student of the game you were, especially seeing as you started to play a little bit later in your career, started to play in high school. 
like how much extra work did you have to put in on the court outside of practice and just studying the game and trying to learn, you know, tendencies of, you know, opponents or just, you know, what you wanted to do as a scorer? Well, ten to, ten, you know, I used to – I looked at myself as a professional scorer. You know what I mean? Like, because you got certain guys that just, you know, J.R. Smith, DeMar DeRozan, KD, you know, on different levels, but guys could just go get buckets, you know. Yeah. Um. And I, 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 you know, my my nickname in the league was Trigger because that he knew I was shooting. <laughs> you know, especially if I passed it and got it back, you ain't getting it back. You know, you know, I, I took my shots and I was efficient. You know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna take 15 dribbles like James Harden. Not anything wrong with the way he's doing. I couldn't play with him, but you know, I don't need 16 dribbles to get. I could score six points in the time it took him to 16 dribbles. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. I would say to young people, man, you know, first, don't be afraid to play, to get your footwork together because, you know, the art of post-playing is, is, the, is, the, is the key element to being really, really good. And a lot of kids, whether you're a guard or a big or whatever, you know, post-play – will help you advance further in your wing play because when you got really good footwork as a, as a, as a player, you can learn anything, but if you don't have really good footwork, you, it's hard to learn anything. Yeah. And so I would say, don't be afraid to, to use post, you know, use post play, even if you 25, 15, 12 feet away from the basket, get your footwork together. Because if you can, and I call it when I when I when I train it, I always train kids to be able to do drive right off of one dribble to the right. But if you're gonna have to learn how to drive right off of one dribble to the left too, so everything I teach going to your strong hand, I teach going to the weak hand too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a no. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I I wanted to uh, just do a quick transition. When you watch current college and college and NBA. Um, you know, we, we, we talked a lot about summer league between between us lately. Is there anybody that impressed you? I don't know if you got a chance to check out any of the summer league. Anybody impressed you? Uh, yeah, the rookie from New York, uh, you know, from Kentucky. Oh, yeah, Knox. Kevin Knox. My, my boy. <laughs> Kevin Knox, I, I love watching him. Um, I love watching um, – What's the, I, love, I mean, obviously, I love watching Duke, the Duke yeah. guy. So, you know, that's that's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, I also loved uh, watching uh, J- uh, Josh Hart from the oh, Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I thought he had a really impressive summer league. Um, and I liked him in college, but um, he, he knows how to play and he's tough. You know, that's the first thing I look for in players is are they tough? And if they aren't just – if they aren't just, like – Tough kids mm-hmm. aren't willing to get gr- gritty. You know what I'm saying? So, like when I'm training kids, I'm training them to teach them where contact comes from and how to absorb the contact to still be able to make the, the proper moves and to have the proper balance, you know, to make that move. So that's grit mm-hmm. to be able to absorb. You might not be physical, but if I can take a hit and still be able to score, I don't need to be tough to do that. I just need to be – I have a little grit to me. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So when I'm looking at players, I'm like, is he afraid – if he's is he trying to avoid contact all the time? Because that's just soft, and that, those guys are never going to be high school down. 
you know? Steph Curry is, he knows how to absorb contact and still be able to make sure. Yeah, he's got he's gotten way better at that. What what about your what about your boy Colin Sexton? I remember you you were talking to me about him in high school when um uh is, is he from he's from Atlanta area, right? Or no? I used to coach the Georgia Stars with his dad. We had an AAU team together and he was about five, six years old and he used to practice with our tenth graders. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's crazy. Drills, the competition drills. So you know, I saw that. I mean, and you know, Devon and I have these conversations all the time. Where I'll see a kid that's special, and I'll and he'll be like a freshman in high school, and I'll be like, "Yo, this kid's gonna be a pro." And Devon will be like, "Man, how do you do this?" You know what I'm saying? It's like looking at their toughness and work ethic. You gotta tell a Kyrie story. You gotta tell a Kyrie story. Remember, remember the. So when this was before anybody knew who Kyrie was, I got I had, uh, got a job at Indiana, and I was like, man, I, that's gonna be my first my first recruit. And I didn't even take the job that I was still coaching AAU, you know. And I but I was talking to him and his dad like, I'm about to go to Indiana, you know, they on probation. But by the time y'all get there, they'll be off probation. You can turn the program around. It's gonna be great, you know what I mean? And and you'll be one and done, and you you know you'll you'll be able to put a, pro- a program that's a top three four historic program back on the map. And your name will go down in history. So that's the way I sold it to them, you know, and uh, and they believed in it. And and I believed that he could do it. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of people didn't know who he was yet. And I remember Kyrie asking me, Coach, you see that in me? And I was like, yeah, man, I see that in you. I see you being a, a game changer. And, and that's why he and I had a really such a really good relationship, even to this day, because I believed in him when nobody did, you know. Wow. And, uh, and so – he was getting ready to transfer to St. Pat's, right? <laughs> and so he had to sit out the first seven or eight games, and they was getting ready to play St. Anthony's. And I was like, yo, they got this kid, Kyrie Irving. That's, that's nice. And Bump was like, man, you know, whatever. He, he, he I, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> he just brushing me off. Man, he <laughs> was like, oh, okay, that's the dude you were talking about. And so, <laughs> He's bumping and he comes back and the kid's a senior and he's like top five in the country. And Devon was like, well, this dude is special. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, when you, you know, as an eighth grader, get 62 points in a game and no jumpers. Ooh. All right. Yeah. No, he's, he's good. <laughs> so this is, this is, this is Leslie. I know you probably with me on this. This is where Devon's love of Kyrie comes from. <laughs> <laughs> in our in our group chat, Kyrie has the best handle in the league. He's the best point guard in the league. He can turn around any team in the NBA. Now I know we're all this. At first, I just thought it was a Jersey thing. Now I know. Now I really know. <laughs> like Jersey, like putting a little you know, like that's like ketchup and mayonnaise and mustard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's crazy. So I got I got to ask. Um, so talk about what – so I got two questions. Uh, what was uh, NBA life like in terms of, like, you know, just say as a rookie, like the shock that it was to your body? And then, and then what was your favorite NBA city? Um, and, uh, and then we can keep it tame for uh, – <laughs> <laughs> My favorite cities were Miami, Toronto, L.A., uh, Chicago, obviously New York. Uh, New Jersey, because they, they kind of go together, and Boston. Okay. Those were, you know, the cities that, 
you know, like you go to Utah, you get there the night before, go take, get three hours sleep, go play the game, and then you get out of there as fast as you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you set Saturday, but y'all get in on Thursday. Y'all practice there on Thursday. Go out, hang out, chill. You know, hang out. You know, have practice on Friday morning. We'll shoot around, whatever. Get ready for the game, and you go to practice again on in Miami on Friday. So you're not really hanging out at home. Yeah. And you go back to the hotel, hang out Saturday night, and then you go to your next city Sunday the next day. <laughs> so. You make it. You make it worth your while when you hang out and you go. You know. What I mean? So, so which, which, um, so with the, you know, with the first question, what was that like to your your body? Like, was it, was it, like, I'm mean, just talking all the track. Oh, and stuff. You know, like for guys that are for guys like LeBron is is the ultimate, you know, person to compare to taking care of your body when a guy spends 1.2 million dollars on building that training. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, guys. Put that much work into their bodies. I I did because I, I learned it at Duke. Like when I got to Duke, I was about two forty, and Coach K got to me. He was like, "All right, we got you. Got to lose twenty pounds." And I was like, "Wow, that's so random." You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I was playing center at St. John's. I needed to bang with two sixty five. I'm still lightweight. And he was like, "Yeah, you might. You still gonna bang with two sixty five? But I need you to be faster. I need you to be stronger." And doesn't make you stronger, it holds you back. And he never sacrificed speed and agility for for size because it holds you back. But nowadays with technology, you can you can gain size and keep the same level of speed um in today's game, aka LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everybody can't do it. But when you find that one special guy who can, you know, you get you get this you get this you know phenom of LeBron James. You know what I'm yeah. saying? No. And for me, I, I didn't do a whole lot of lifting. I did a lot of yoga. I did a lot of whole whole well uh, wellness stuff. Uh, I stretched three, four, five times a day. You know, I did the whirlpool. I did the ice bath. I did all the stuff to keep my body in recovery. And 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 that's why um, guys are able to you know play as many games as they are. I didn't get injured a lot as a player. I was unfortunate enough to get injured, you know, and that's one injury ended my career. Yeah. But it was a freak accident. It was, you know, more so. But I didn't get injured a lot as a player, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. because I was recovering. Yeah, and, what, and just for, you know, because um, I know the, the Get Ring basketball is based out, out in Pittsburgh, and one of your college teammates is now the head coach out there. So what do you think, what do you think Jeff Capel will bring to – um, Pittsburgh. I know Pittsburgh's in like a, a bit of a rebuilding situation now. Man, he's a great coach. He really is. Uh, you know, he, he's the he's a he's a third generation coach. Mm-hmm. Dad was a coach. His father was a coach. So coaching is in his blood. Yeah. His brother's a coach. You know, uh, and so he's he's a great recruiter. You know what I mean? Because he understands the ins and outs of uh, personalities and families and. You know, because he's been around it his whole life. So he's going to get really good players. And he's going to teach those players how to be, become really good players even better than when they come there because he has a high basketball IQ as a coach. The best coaches have the highest basketball IQ. They weren't the best players. If you ever Brad Stevens, he wasn't the best player. He didn't play that much. But he had a, he's got a high basketball IQ. So when you're not, when you're a non player, you have to study the game. You know, definitely. 
and, and Stan Van Gundy. And you know, you got all these basketball minds who've had a lot of success and they've never played the game at the highest levels. And then you got your guys like Larry Brown, who's played at the highest levels, Hall of Fame as a player, and is a Hall of Fame coach because he was able to translate, which is what's hard for really good players to do. How do I teach guys to do what I did? And that's the toughest part for really good players. Uh, I can, uh, I can, I can see that. They may not be able to do that. I was able to do it, but how do I maximize that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, that's the question. I had to learn that. You know what I'm saying? Like that. Me as a coach, I had to learn how do I teach what I learned, knowing that these kids are never going to be as good as I, as good as I was majority. Of but I, you know, you had your mouth. I, I coached Malcolm Brogdon. I coached Jordan McRae. I've coached, you know. Uh, a lot of players, you know, um, that are playing in the NBA. Mike Young, who's you know, down in Washington, two-way. Uh, Jamel Curtis, who's on in, on two-way. Uh, Tyler Ennis. And, you know, I mean, it's 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 a – how do I teach these kids? You know, because not everybody's going to be as good as those guys. You know what I'm saying? How do I teach these kids how to maximize? And what I learned is vocabulary. You know what I mean? If you have a good basketball vocabulary, it's easier to learn things. Mm-hmm. Put it like I put it, if if we didn't know what a bird was and it flew across the sky and you didn't know what to call it, you'd be confused. <laughs> if you don't know what a pick and roll is, I'm using that as, a, as an example, obviously, you don't know you're not going to be able to do it. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, it's true. No, really. Um, I did have a, a, another quick question because we, we kind of hit on it. Um, it's, a, it's a good segue because we're talking about coaching now. So you coached at Indiana. Um, what what do you think was? I guess my question would be: Was there more pressure on you as a coach at that level? I mean, you're at Indiana, one of the most you know prestigious historic schools in in NCAA. Coming from a background of playing with Coach K at Duke, Coach Hurley at at St. Anthony's, was there more pressure on you as a player or as a coach to perform? Um, for me personally, it's always more pressure as a coach because as a player, I could do something about it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. There's no other options. Yeah. Like as a coach, I got I got to trust that this kid is not listening to his dad or his uncle or a best friend, and you know, like so. It's way more pressure as a coach because you don't have the control of the outcome of the mm-hmm. game. You know what I'm saying? And you got not just one. You got, you know, five guys at a time on the court, and you got to pick and choose and piece together who works well together. So, you know, when if as a player, I can just pop in, just give me the rock and get out the way, and stand over there if I pass to you, you shoot it. <laughs> yeah, the, as a coach, it's rock. Like, we got, yeah, we got a drill list, and this dude's, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, and he thinks he's better than what he is, and he's got this, he got this hitch and shot that just. He's not really trying to because he's been doing it for so long. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, and you got 14 guys you're going to do that with. So it's hard to be – it's so much harder. And you got to be in practice every day. So not only do you have to be at practice every day, you got to watch film. Then you got to talk about the film. Then you got to prepare for practice. Most players don't have to prepare for practice. They show up and they, they're talented, mm-hmm. you know. And so, it's a lot more work. A lot, and I hate it. So that's why I hate coaching. So. <laughs> no, I'm with you, man. It was. It's definitely uh, 
I don't, I, I hate saying like today's age or today's kids, like, cause I mean, I feel like we're not that old, <laughs> but basketball changes so much. But I mean, it's just like the work ethic, it just, it pushes me away. I'm just like, man, like y'all don't understand, like just. Because when you got athletes, you don't have to fight for anything. You could just. Mm, that is true. That's the case today. It's not that kids, kids aren't pushed to the, they don't. Nobody's playing basketball with their backs against the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, nobody's being taught to value what they have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, a bad, that's a bad combination because, I, you know, and I had this conversation with a guy at the gym the other day, and I was saying, you know, I grew up, you know, my, 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 my goals for playing basketball was to feed my family. So if you love playing basketball and you got to play me and I got to feed my family, you're done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. These kids, the Kyrie Irvings, you know, their dad's making $200,000 a year. They in the suburbs. How do you get those kids to be as motivated as a Kyrie Irving and want to be the greatest? Yeah. Yeah. Just thinking they're the greatest before, without the work. Like, see, Kyrie, his whole process was, you know, he, he put it on social media so you saw it. You know, it was humble and hungry. So it was like, all right, I'm going to stay humble where I'm, I always look at myself like I'm not the best player. I'm going to let everybody else talk about that. Most of these kids trying to tell you how good they are, and most kids that's telling you how good they are aren't that good. Yeah. <laughs> 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 His father is telling you how good he is. He's probably not that good. Sorry, yeah. half of we also don't have Coach Hurley uh, yelling at him in practice, telling him that they're not that good. <laughs> <laughs> Walton coaching LeBron. Who's who's who, who's in that battle? You know what I mean? Who's going to win that battle? You know what I mean? That that Talu and LeBron. Who's going and I, and Talu? I think is a great coach. You know what I'm saying? You know, we came out in the same year. That's my boy, you know. So I know his work ethic. I know his, you know, how, how much work he puts into it. But you, you coach LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and LeBron, so how was that going to look, you know? And so a lot of times when you get that special player as a high school coach and, you and, you know, and you haven't coached that many special players, you try to coach them like you coach everybody else. And you can't because they're, they, they do more. Yeah. And so – yeah. <laughs> you got to that. You're gonna frustrate that kid, and you're gonna hold them back, and they're gonna they're gonna dislike you as a coach. You like to talk about music at like usually towards the end. What were you listening to before games? I know you put me on Wu Tang uh, <laughs> when, when I was like uh, when I was like what 15, 14, 15. When I was in Atlanta, you had you had me listening to uh, uh, Triumph. And what? But what were what were you? I guess from college. From college to NBA, what was? Yeah, what was you had a different song. You had a different song every 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 level. So in high school, it was Red Man. Time for some action. Uh-huh. You know, so that you know, and I learned. I, I just learned every lyric and ad lib and every song. And when I got every lyric and ad lib right, I knew I was getting twenty five. Just put it on repeat until I got every word correctly, and it got me hyped. So, Red Man was my high school song on the on on the um on video cassette. Like you guys, you know the Walkman. Yeah, yeah. With the with the little fluffy headphones, they was little tiny. You ain't had no Bose and no JBLs and like that. It was. You know, it's just a little wire making around your head, and it, 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 it cuts you, and it cuts you. <laughs> <laughs> but 
she was red man in high school, triumph in uh in college, uh and and then uh, and then in the pros, it was uh it was I, I just listened to Jay Z, so Jay Z got me hyped yeah. because it was like just that Jay Z era. He was real smooth, and I I grew up and got my big boy drawers on, and so I went from you know. It, it was like going from the street corner to the to the corporate, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So now I got to <laughs> driving a Range Rover, and, and and I'm listening to <laughs> Reasonable Doubt. <Dallas. laughs> <Like, laughs> so I had to take a step up, you know, to, to, and get my big boy drawers on. So Jay Z was like, you know, from grimy red man and Wu Tang, and now I'm I, I want I'm putting on suits and, and ties, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Jay Z was Jay Z was my go to as a pro. Oh yeah, you you were you were right in the middle of the era when um, David Stern uh, brought in the dress code, right? Like that was right when you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Allen Iverson was coming with the baggy pants, and then it, it had to be business casual, and then they was like, "All right, you got to have a jacket on." So you know, it was just yeah. that whole, you know, because they didn't know what to do with the hip hop era. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was a threat until they learned how to use it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, once they found out how to make money off it, then it became over. Yeah, I was about to say, once they, once they learned how to profit off of it, then then it's good to go. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's... So, you know, and, then, and then you get this, this you know, Russell Westbrook madness and LeBron short. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... I mean, it's the, this is madness. And then they call it fan. Yeah. You know, then, you get a, then you get a stupid idiot that try it that ain't got no money. And you're like, I don't know. We're we're clowning them, but like your era was the baggy suit, the baggy <laughs> suit before the game. The... Yeah. How, how did you know what? what? And then I didn't. I don't wear those. So. <laughs> <laughs> and trying to relive the, the glory baggy suits days. The, you know the Steve Harvey. Days, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do that. You know, but I'm not going skinny. I don't want my. I want to be able to sit at it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's tough. Let's six eight. Were you, Leslie? You about to say something? Please. No, I was just touching on the the baggy pants. Like I, I look at like the Jalen Rose red suit. Like, how did you know what fit? <laughs> it Never says you was. You just got a, a size or two too big. You know, that was just the margin of error. You know. <laughs> Well, Ro, uh, thank you. I, I appreciate you uh, jumping on. We, um, so we, we'll, we'll put this. We'll probably put this out like middle middle of the week and uh, and everything. But uh, no, I appreciate it. Hopefully, you know, we do it again. Yeah, do it again soon. Thank you. Nah, thank you. Cool, man. I, I'll talk to Tony Delp, man. If I maybe y'all you can get Tony Delp on there and then some other guys. All right. Yeah. No, that'll be tough. Yeah, that'll be that'll be good. Appreciate it. All right, <laughs> All right Ro. All right. Have a good one. You too. See, I told you it was a good interview. I just wanted to give a big shout out, big thank you to Roshan McLeod for taking the time to uh, to come on to the Get Ring ba- Basketball Podcast, especially with the host missing. Thank you so much for uh, being able to adapt. Uh, you gave a phenomenal interview, so much insight. Um, you weren't afraid to... To touch on all topics, uh, it was great hearing that your name was uh, Trigger in the NBA. Uh, now I know where uh, Devon gets it from when we played together. Uh, so that was a great episode. Big thanks to Devon 
Brandon and Leslie, uh, great interview. We'll be doing these uh, a lot more throughout the season. Hopefully we can follow up with someone as big as uh, Roshan. That was phenomenal. Um, but we will be having more interviews and more shows coming out. So be on the lookout. Uh, we love putting out you know, more content. And uh, have a great day. Have a great week. We'll see you around. Bye.